Am I helping another group of people or am I damning them? The answer is yes, depending upon your point of view. Republican Senator Alan Christensen is sticking to his guns on scaling back the voter-approved Proposition 3. Welcome back to 45 Days, KUER's weekly legislative recap. I'm Julia Ritchie. And I'm Nicole Nixon. It is day 12 of the 2019 general session. Only 33 days to go. Medicaid expansion is still dominating the conversation so far. As of this recording, it's passed out of a House committee, but it sounds like it will undergo some more tweaks before it gets to the House floor. So for those of you who are new to what's going on, number one, where have you been? (laughs) And let's step back just to explain sort of the basics Mm -hmm. of this plan. So um, voters approved Proposition 3 in November, expanding Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act to 138% of the federal poverty limit. And that's about 150,000 Utahns that could get coverage. And we're going to talk about the federal poverty line because it's a little hard to understand. That just means a person who makes about $16,700 a year. And for a family of four, that's about $34,500. So under Medicaid expansion, the federal government pays for 90% and the state covers the other 10%. So voters also approve the sales tax hike to cover some of that. Yeah. And Republicans, though, do not think that that sales tax hike will be enough in the long run. So in comes SB 96, that's Senator Alan Christensen's bill. This bill will only cover up to 100 percent of the federal poverty level, which is about $12,000 for an individual or 25 grand for a family. So with the help of some federal waivers they're hoping for, the feds could pay 70 percent of that cost while the state picks up 30 percent. But Julia, that's confusing. Isn't that more expensive? Why, yes, Nicole. I'm glad you mentioned (laughs) that. It is more expensive. So this plan would cost the state between... Now they're saying about $50 million. Uh, before it was a little higher than that um, mm-hmm. until the state gets yet another federal waiver that they want to eventually lower that amount. Okay, so let's say you work in retail or at a restaurant or something like that. You make $8 an hour. You would probably not qualify for Medicaid under this bill, but you would qualify for subsidized insurance on the Affordable Care Act exchanges. Right. And some of the backers of this say that it's a matter of personal responsibility. They need that people need to pay a little bit. Um, But critics of the plan say even a $20 copay is probably not feasible for someone on such a fixed income, especially if you're working in like a fast food restaurant. Right. Because after housing and groceries and all those other life necessities, there's really not that much money left. So, yeah. So that's the situation on Medicaid right now. Which brings us to this week on the Hill. Uh, SB 96 went through some changes on its road to Governor Herbert's desk. It passed through the Senate. Uh, But in a House committee hearing this week, a Republican co-sponsor of the bill, Jim Dunnigan, removed what many critics called a poison pill, which would have repealed all of Medicaid expansion if those federal waivers didn't materialize. So if we don't get those waivers in the next year or so, would it go back to Prop 3 now? That is what we are trying to figure out as of this (laughs) recording. We can't tell what's going to happen in the next 24 hours, uh, but they want to come up with a plan of what will happen to Medicaid if that magical federal waiver does not Uh, come through and allow the state to sort of uh, divvy off some of the money that they would have to be paying. Okay, but there was even more drama in the House committee hearing this week, right? A lot more drama, actually. So it's obviously gotten to the bill's sponsor, uh, Senator Alan Christensen, who says he's been inundated with what he's called rude and crude emails criticizing him. 
Um, here's just a taste of what the House Business and Labor Committee was like during public comment. People say, I have no heart. You have no heart. You don't care. You don't care about anybody. First, I would like to thank Senator Christensen, and I would also like to state for the record that I know he has a heart. And again, Senator Christensen is a good and decent man, but if this bill passes, it, it takes us down the toilet, and this bill should come with a roll of toilet paper. That was Senator Christensen, followed by bill critics June Taylor and George Chapman. That sounds like it was a super fun committee hearing. Super fun. <laughs> uh, to make matters a little more juicy, Representative Dunnigan, again, he's the House co-sponsor of SB 96, and two other Republicans actually voted against the bill in committee. Hmm. And then Dunnigan ended up running away from reporters when they were trying to ask him, why did you vote against your own bill? I, I have no comment. Why did you vote against your own bill, though? Will there be more changes, Representative? That was Ben Winslow of Fox 13, friend of the pod, chasing Dunnigan down. So the Deseret News dug into a little more uh, of what's going on. And there's still, again, some disagreement over what happens after this quote-unquote, bridge plan uh, that gets us to June 2020 if those waivers aren't approved. But Governor Herbert still seems really optimistic. I feel good about the direction. I think the legislature is dealing with a tough issue. It's complex and emotional, but I think we're moving it in the right direction. Herbert also sounded very confident that the state will get these federal waivers. Um, he said he's had conversations with the Trump administration and the head of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid about it. He also said that he thinks the feds will be a lot quicker about giving out these waivers than they have been in the past. Because as Paul Ryan once said, Obamacare is the law of the land for the foreseeable future. Who's Paul Ryan? <laughs> no one remembers anymore. <laughs> no, but it does seem it's a good point because... The administration is a lot more conservative and they're, they, mm -hmm. they have granted at least some waivers for things like work requirements in Kentucky mm -hmm. and Arkansas. Right. Either way, it's still moving very fast mm -hmm. and advocates behind Prop 3 are threatening a referendum on SB 96. That is where voters say no, no, and undo something the legislature passes. The last time we saw a referendum like this was like a decade ago. Mm -hmm. Before my time here, uh, when lawmakers passed a private school voucher program and voters immediately overturned it with a referendum. Right. So the only way for the legislature to block a referendum is to pass the law by a two-thirds majority in both chambers. That's the same amount they would need to avoid a governor's veto. And there were other things happening on the Hill, slowly but surely, and we want to talk about a few of them with our education reporter, Rocio Hernandez, in just a second. KUER wherever you go with our mobile app. Listen to a live stream of the station, get the latest stories from NPR and the KUER newsroom, or explore the newest Radio West podcast. You can even access our 24-7 streams of classical music and the BBC. It's not just any app. It's the KUER app. Available for Android and iPhone wherever you get your apps.
This week, both chambers were busy spending money. They passed base budgets, which sounds really boring, but those keep state government services funded and functioning. Fun fact, the state's largest base budget goes towards social services like Medicaid and food stamps. And the second largest is public education, about $5 billion. Here to help us sift through some of the bills and funding requests for public schools is our education reporter, Rocio Hernandez. Hi, Rocio. Hey. So it seems like there's this big emphasis on school safety this year. We're coming up on the year anniversary of the Parkland High School shooting in Florida. What's on lawmakers' minds? Um, So Representative Ray Ward is pushing a bill this session um, that would give a large amount of money to improve safety in schools. So one portion of his bill is asking for $33 million in ongoing funds to hire personnel um, related to mental health and safety in schools. Um, So he said that could be anything from hiring social workers, hiring school counselors or mental health specialists in the community that can help coordinate resources between schools and outside organizations. Does it have support? So this week, his bill got a favorable vote in a committee, and it's moving forward. Um, But one question was at the end of the meeting um, whether he will receive this big, large amount of money or whether it will be scaled back. And so that's an ongoing discussion right now. Yeah, we know the budget doesn't fully materialize until usually the last night of the session at like 10 p.m. So pesky fiscal conservatives. (laughs) Um, Another bill would change the makeup of the state school board. So this was a bill that came up last year, and it surprised a lot of people by making it through the Senate. It was sponsored by a very odd couple, progressive Senator Jim DeBacchus and conservative then-representative Dan McKay. And now it's back. So tell us about what that bill would do. So this bill was um, from one of your guests from your last episode, Representative Melissa Ballard. And she is looking to do um, something about uh, in a two-way process, um, she would like to see the board be shrinking down from 15 members to nine members. And she would also like to remove a word in the constitution, the state constitution, to change the way board members get on the board. Right now, they're elected, um, but she would also like to see them now being appointed by the governor. Why is that? So I did talk to Representative Ballard, and this is what she had to say. Right now, the state school board really acts as a fourth branch of government. They don't have uh, anyone really overseeing and checking what they're doing. That's always a a fun uh, debate that happens almost (laughs) every year now, I guess. Um, So students get graded every day. We know that. Uh, So do their schools, apparently. Now a bill wants to eliminate letter grades for school systems. So why is it that schools don't want to get graded anymore like their students? So... Representative Marie Polson talked about this bill during a state, um, a Utah State Board of Education's meeting. Um, one thing she said was the previous system, which ranked schools on A through F letter ratings, wasn't descriptive enough. Um, she said the letter grades don't really tell much about what's going on in schools. So this year, the State Board of Education that puts out these report cards took a break. And when they took this break, they now published the or the new report cards that came out this year had a detailed dashboard that described what, how are students performing in, in various um, levels on achievement, growth. Um, and so it was a little bit more detailed than just a simple A through F letter grade. And this is something that she would like to see continued. Um, also, she talked about teachers and the morale when she said that as a retired teacher, when they see this letter grade, it can um, decrease their morale. And she thinks that by having this detailed dashboard, it doesn't pit schools against one another. She thinks it would retain them and keep them in schools longer. 
No one likes getting a bad grade. No. So another perennial losing issue at the legislature is sex education. So tell us about a bill, another bill sponsored by Representative Ray Ward. Yeah, so he told me that this is a bill that he's been trying to, or this is something that he's been working on since last year. And last year, he wanted to change the language of the bill to remove the word advocacy. So right now, Utah teachers aren't allowed to advocate for contraceptives. Um, But last year, that bill wasn't well received. And this year, um, his new bill that he tried to create with more balancing language wasn't well received either. So, you know, and it's weird because we have these two uh, bills that could limit abortions this year. Uh, And on the flip side, we have Democrats and some moderate Republicans like Ray Ward, who is a Republican, saying we can address unplanned pregnancies in a more pragmatic way, yet it never happens. Right. And this is something that actually came up in the committee hearing over Representative Ward's bill. Um, a freshman Republican representative named Steve Waldrop mentioned that exact thing. Even though the bill failed, this is what he said. I'd uh, also speak in favor of this. When I hear teachers frustrated, I think we need to help them do their job in a better way. And uh, as we just heard, kids are thinking about this. And uh, information is not advocacy. And uh, We're going to hear some things in judiciary about uh, abortion here in a little bit. And uh, there's a a causation there that I think we need to address and deal with the reality of what's going on um, in our society and and with our ever-shifting demographics in our state. So I think this is a good change to clarify and allow them to teach what is current state curriculum. Thank you. And we should mention that sex education bills are never popular during this session, but the fact that this died on a tie vote with some Republican support means that the needle might be moving ever so slightly on this issue. Perhaps, right? Perhaps. That was Rocio Hernandez, KUER education and immigration reporter. Thanks, Rocio, for coming on our show. Yeah, I loved it. Yay! Hi, it's Nicole Nixon from 45 Days. Every week, Julia Ritchie and I break down the latest news and bills coming out of the Utah legislative session. If you enjoy the podcast, you should sign up for the 45 Days newsletter. It's like our show, except it's an email and you read it. Let us send you email. Sign up at 45days.org. We don't have much time left to tell you about all the things that happened this week, but we do have some quick updates. There are now 1,289 total bills requested this session. That's not even a record, by the way. Uh, But we're going to try to get through a few of them here. Tim, can you put a minute on the stopwatch? First up, a bill was unveiled that would allow stronger beer in grocery stores and on tap. Right now, the limit is set at 3.2% alcohol by weight. This bill would put us more in line with other states and allow stores to sell beer up to 4.8%. Cheers to that. Lehigh Republican Corey Malloy, who earns an A-plus rating from the NRA, passed a resolution on a party-line vote in committee that says Utah has enough gun laws on its books and uh, we don't need any more. So obviously, Democrats and gun control advocates were not big fans of that one. After years of trying, Representative Carol Spackman Moss finally got a bill out of committee that would strengthen the law against driving with a cell phone in your hand. And another resolution from the state's only black lawmaker, Representative Sandra Hollins, uh, abolishes a slavery p- provision in Utah's constitution. Yes, there is one. And it got, <laughs> luckily, unanimous approval in a House committee, which thank God after the week we've had with Virginia, right? Yes. <laughs> that was great. Maybe that was a minute. Julia, do you know what one of my favorite things is that's kind of nerdy? 
charcuterie boards, uh, queer eye There's binge watching. There's nothing nerdy about charcuterie. <laughs> it's kind of nerdy, though. Okay, but I'm talking about campaign finance. I love finding out where politicians get their money from. Well, last week I met a guy named Mark Christensen. He reached out to me on Twitter. He created this really cool site called Utah Legislature Money that displays pie charts of financial disclosures by state lawmakers. Yes. I was so impressed. So I made him meet me IRL in real life up at the Capitol to talk about it. I learned about it last year in the episode you did discussing disclosures.utah.gov and noticed that this information is great. The state has this available to us. However, it's all in spreadsheets and isn't as accessible as I thought it should be. So I thought that'd be a great data project to make it more visual for citizens and other people that are interested in seeing where campaign funding is coming from and how that money is being used. So because this is radio, describe for me what you see when you pull up the website. Right now it's pretty basic, has a list of all the legislatures, legislators, and uh, once you click on the name, it takes you to a pie chart, and it has a breakdown of all the contributions they received and who gave them, um, according to how much was given from each party that gave to a candidate. Had you ever made a kind of an open government data viz project like that before? Nope, it's my first one, wow. so kind of an experiment. Okay, well that's really cool. So why is it important to you as a citizen to know who's paying and contributing and donating to your lawmakers and your representatives. As a Supreme Court ruling a few years ago that deems money as speech, I think it's important to know who is speaking to candidates and who has their ear as both individual citizens and organizations um, who's helping to finance these campaigns and uh, how the money's being used. I think it's important that people realize that and that that's more publicly available. Well, thank you, Mark, for making the website and for being on 45 Days. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So if you want to see Mark's website, go to utledgemoney.org. I love open-sourced government transparency. I love inspiring people to create open-source <laughs> data projects. 45 Days is a production of KUER News. This episode was produced by Tim Slover with original music by David Whited. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter that goes out every Monday. And to do that and find more local news and legislative coverage, visit our website at KUER.org or 45days.org. And if you have a digital hack for better understanding the state legislature, let us know about it. The easiest way is to find us on social media. I am at underscore Nixo. And I'm at Julia Ritchie. See you next week. See yeah.